welcome back to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And we're coming at you today with one of our classic historical episodes. One of those episodes where we pick out something that's important in history that National Treasure uses in some way, shape, or form, and we give you a historical deep dive into that topic to find out how much of National Treasure's portrayal was accurate, how much was inaccurate, and just what are some interesting facts that none of us knew beforehand. And yes, I'm going to speak for all of us here. In any case, (laughs) these are- Not just me. (laughs) Yeah. No, truly, truly all of us. We always, um, Emily, I, I feel like I can speak for at least both of us here. Whenever we research for these episodes, we're always concerned they're going to be slower in some mm-hmm. way. But then when we do the research, we end up unearthing some really fun, interesting facts that blow our minds. That's for sure. So today's historical deep dive is actually on the one and only Oval Office inside the White House. So Ooh. much more on that very shortly. But as you know, we cannot get this episode started without our screams from Parkington Lane, our acknowledgement that national treasure affects, disrupts every aspect of our daily lives. And these, these screams are our admission. Emily, as always, I'd like to ask you, do you have a scream to share with us today? I do. Friends, listen up. So as of this recording, we recently did our first Twitter watch party of National Treasure, in which we interacted with National Treasure fans via Twitter, uh, tweeted about the movie, and even had some polls for people to fill out. Now, during this, obviously, I was watching the movie and paying very close attention, let me guess. Yes, very close attention for like once in my life. And not only did I realize some things that I hadn't realized before, which if you go back and look under the hashtag NTH watch party, you'll find. Um, But I had a realization that I am super proud of, wherein I realized that at the end of the film, Ben's telling Sadusky, I don't want Abigail to be blamed for any of this. I want her to be free of charges. And then he says, I want me and my father, the whole Gates family, as well as Riley Poole to get credit for the discovery of this treasure. And Aubrey and I always go on about how much we hate this because Abigail is right there and was mentioned in like the previous sentence. And I came to the realization that maybe he did not include Abigail in that list of people to get credit for the treasure because doing so would get her in trouble in her job. It would totally put her career in jeopardy. And that's what he just made Agent Sadusky promise he wasn't going to do. I I am so proud of you. Thank you. And I would also like to point out that I, I had this realization. I got really excited. I tweeted it. The movie ended. And my boyfriend, who was sitting next to me, asked me, like, what, what was your big realization? And I explained it to him. And he goes, oh, no, that's 100% definitely why that happened. I can't believe you didn't realize that before. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. He always thought that? Yeah. Really? 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, anyone listening in, we now have to ask you, did you think that was the reason that Abigail didn't get credit for the first national treasure treasure? This never crossed my mind. It's amazing. Aubrey, I don't know if you can follow that one up, but do you have a scream? For once, I don't think I can follow that up, but I'll try anyway. It's actually much much less uh, national treasure specific and a little bit more national treasure hunt specific. So they're not even really in the same playing field this week. But Emily, I had a dream recently, as I so often do, that (laughs) you and I recorded like three episodes in one sitting, but we didn't realize until we finished that the last two didn't actually record and naturally in the dream I got really mad at you Em. (laughs) Of of, of course that to this day the idea of one of these not recording as we are making them scares me and I'm scared that you're gonna get mad at me about it. (laughs) Nightmare inducing and if my dream is any indication I would get mad at you about it Um, (laughs) but the best part was I woke up from the dream, convinced it was true. Oh no. Yeah, so it was a it was a rough start to that morning. I didn't get any angry text messages though, so you must have realized it was untrue. Before yeah, before coming at you. I think I think you really owe me a, a debt of gratitude for that, honestly. Okay. <laughs> okay. In any case, if you have screens that you want to share or you want to interact with us in any way, shape, or form, please go ahead and head on over to our Twitter and Instagram. We are at NT Hunt Podcast. You can find us to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Good Pods. Go ahead, like, subscribe, rate, review, do whatever you can on those various platforms. And I know, as I said last time, the holiday season has wrapped up by now. But if you're thinking about something to get somebody for Valentine's Day or one of those non-existent holidays in the middle of the year, maybe you want to go ahead over and check out our merch store, which is in the link tree in our bio on Twitter. You guys can get T-shirts, notebooks, stickers, magnets, really anything you want with various quotes or the national treasure hunt logo on it so go ahead and check that out all right it is time to begin as always we will start by giving you just a brief outline of what this episode is going to shake out looking like and then we're just going to dive right in it should be a fun time and an educational time for all so as Per protocol, we will kick off this episode with a little bit of national treasure context, a reminder for people like Emily as to why we even care about the Oval Office in the context of our beloved film franchise. Then we will dive into a very brief history of the Oval Office. My personal favorite section of this is diving into the details, the attributes and the traits of the Oval Office and how they differ over time. And finally, to wrap things up full circle, we will talk about filming, quote unquote, in the Oval Office, and you will find out why I say, quote unquote, in just a little bit. So, think we're good, Em? Do you have anything to add before we get started? I would just like to advocate for myself briefly and say that, for the record, I remember in National Treasure 2, when they went to the Oval Office, And it was the scene in which Phil Dunphy 
and Ben and Abigail were in the Oval Office. And I forget exactly what they were doing. But <laughs> I remember Abigail pretended she lost an earring and was searching for it with Phil Dumpy. You have gotten us off to a great start here. So as Emily correctly points out, the Oval Office appears in National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. So Emily, how do we get here? Well, you might recall that immediately prior, we were actually in London finding the Olmec plank in the Resolute Desk in the Queen's study at Buckingham Palace. We found out from the Eiffel Tower clue that that desk has a twin. These twins stand resolute. And we also know that there's a second plank because the glyphs found on the Buckingham Palace plank are partials. Professor Helen Mirren tells us that. <laughs> ben, of course, knows immediately. This is almost a parallel to the... Um, the Meerschaum pipe clue where there are actually two clues in the one. There's the Declaration of Independence and the Silence Do Good Letters. It's a similar case here. Ben knows immediately that the second plank is going to be in the second Resolute Desk, which is located in the Oval Office at the White House. So how do we get there into the Oval Office? Well, Ben and Abigail attend the Easter egg roll. It's apparently an annual White House tradition. Now, what in the world? I mean, I think we've commented on this before, but well, are they just rolling Easter eggs across the lawn? One hundred percent. No, 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 no. It's a roll. Like they roll them, and they're not real eggs. Like every president. I mean, if House of Cards told me anything, because I did watch House of Cards. Like the the president has to like approve a design for the egg every year. I don't know. We'll have to find out if it's true by trying to go. That's all I can say. Okay. Anyway, at said Easter egg roll, Ben and Abigail trick Connor, aka Phil Dunphy into taking them to see the Oval Office. They trick him by implying that he can't do it, so he has to prove that he can because he is Phil Dunphy. And Abigail ends up distracting Connor with a quote-unquote missing earring near the couches in the Oval Office while Ben searches for the earring, quote-unquote, near the Resolute desk. Not that anyone had stood over there. <laughs> um, and of course, in actuality, Ben is you know, giving the desk the puzzle box treatment mm -hmm. and out pops the compartment where the Olmec plank should be, but instead it is empty. So he takes a photo of where the plank should be. And in the photo, there is the seal of the president's secret book. Oh. End scene. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautifully done. Thank you. Um, I just want to point out, even though it's irrelevant, but I feel like you would enjoy it before we move on, Emily that my equivalent scene to in the first movie when Ben and Abigail are blowing on the declaration and they like have that moment of tension that you love like we need more mm -hmm. heat blah 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 heat um in this movie it's a not a direct parallel but there's definitely a moment when Connor and Abigail are looking for the earring on the floor and they're like looking under the couch and their faces are right next to each other and Phil Dunphy is like looking at her like he's a puppy dog and I'm like they're trying to make this happen again was there any um no but she did so say then it wasn't the same no but there was like definitely a moment when she's like do you think it fell over here and he's like yes it's very it's very awful and then he's like you did sit on the couch and she's like the bunnies 
because there's bun- <laughs> there are bunny stuffed animals on the couch. The bunny. But that's what she sounds like. Oh my God. People, tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. Okay, moving on. Let's now dive in to, as I mentioned, a very brief history of the Oval Office. So this is all fun fact information that I did not know before. I don't know about you, Em. I mean, I, I barely knew from the context of the movie the Oval Office, so I, I highly doubt that I, I uh, knew any of these facts beforehand. Well, more reason for us to dive right in. So as many people know, the Oval Office is the working office area of the current president of the United States. It is located in the West Wing of the White House, and many meetings um, are taken there. Although it's worth pointing out, it's not the only room that the president works in. Um, oh, shout out House of Cards again. If you watched that show, you will know there are lots of little studies and things like that where the president might work. Um, and the Oval Office is a prominent setting in many Hollywood movies, TV shows, etc. cetera. Um, it's going to be fun to dive into that a little bit more later, but I have to ask him right off the bat, are there any uh, shows that you've watched that have featured or movies i guess that have featured the oval office besides book of secrets yes uh doctor who really yep there's an episode of doctor who that took place in america does the blue telephone box thing end up in the oval office it does oh my god seriously <laughs> yes the tardis ends up in the oval office um so there's that have you seen um There are the two equivalent movies that came out at like the same time. I think they're called White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Do you see any of those? I've not seen them. I I have seen those Disney Channel movies with that little girl where it's like her dad's the president or something like that. I don't know if they use the Oval Office, but I feel like maybe they did. Interesting. I have no idea what you're talking about. So that's cool. I feel like you didn't watch the Disney Channel. I absolutely did not. So um, in any case, from some of these TV shows and movies, the ones that portray or mimic the Oval Office well, you might know that immediately adjacent um, to the Oval Office are a few key locations in the White House, one of which is the Rose Garden, which is seen in many publicity or media events. So that should be familiar to some people. There's also a private study that's adjacent to the Oval Office. There is the main West Wing hallway and naturally the office of the president's secretary. Um, And there are actually four doors to get into or out of the Oval Office. And so those are the four locations through each door. I knew that. How did you know that? Because in Doctor Who, they entered like it looked like through like some random wall. And I'm assuming it was one of those doors. So do you know what this reminds me of, actually? Because there are at least two of the doors are sort of built right into the wall and they're very flush, like the door is flush with the wall. Mm. And it really reminds me, it's it's funny when real life reminds me of something from a movie, i.e. National Treasure. But that's what happens here for me because it reminds me of in the Queen's study at Buckingham Palace. Do you remember how the door was rounded and built into the rounded wall when they went and opened it? Right? That's what it makes me think of. Wait, that would have been what I was thinking of. (laughs) I mean, fair enough. (laughs) But I will point out that this whole orientation of the Oval Office's location and what it's situated around 
did not start out that way, okay? There was actually another Oval Office, kind of two Oval Offices in a sense, before the one that we currently know and love. The first Oval Office was called the Taft Oval Office, and it was built as part of a West Wing expansion in the year 1909, so clearly more than 100 years ago. But No way. I'm doing math for people, okay? This is supposed to be a fun outlet. They don't, they shouldn't have to do math. Yeah, but that's easy math. Okay, whatever. I was trying to do something nice. All right, give me a little credit. Once. For once, it's true. Um, (laughs) However, (laughs) I'll do some more math for you and our listeners. The Taft Oval Office was severely damaged by fire in 1929, only 20 years after it was built. So that's the first Oval Office, come and gone. So in comes President FDR, and he actually was the one to institute the building of the current Oval Office adjacent to the Rose Garden. Um, This is at the southeast corner of the West Wing, if you like directions and stuff. And this was in the year 1934. Now, because the year 1934 does not end in a nine, I'm not going to try to do fast math on this to tell you how long it's been because I don't trust myself. Um, However, I found it interesting to learn that one of the reasons this particular location was chosen for the Oval Office in this new iteration It was actually because it gave FDR, who, as you probably know, uh, was wheelchair bound, it gave him easier access to the residence portion of the White House. So it kind of helped facilitate, I guess, the home life to the work life. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, accessibility is always a good thing. Do you know Um, why I know that FDR was in a wheelchair? National treasure? No. Was he in national treasure? Oh, my dear. Oh, my dear. Um, We learn that the paneling was added to the Resolute desk. Right. Because (laughs) he didn't want people to necessarily be able to so easily see the wheelchair. Right. So that's obviously not the reason. Uh, It's because of the The reason that the panel was added. What? No, no, no. It's obviously not the reason why I know he was in a wheelchair. Proceed. Uh, it, it was from Annie, the musical. The one that aired on TV like two weeks ago? Yes. Classic. I used to see it every year with my parents, and FDR is always in a wheelchair. Hmm. Well, we learn from pop culture. That is what this conversation is telling me. In any case, to wrap up this section on the history of the Oval Office, There are many key moments in history that the public may recognize the Oval Office from, not just from Hollywood productions. Um, So, for example, President Nixon talking on the phone to Apollo 11 astronauts during their moonwalk, which was widely publicized. And then, of course, President Nixon later announcing his resignation from the Oval Office. There was uh, President Reagan addressing the nation after the Challenger space shuttle disaster in 1986, or President George W. Bush addressing the nation after 9-11 in 2001. Now, there are also some famous photos that you might recognize uh, the Oval Office in, one of which does get referred to in Book of Secrets. The famous photo of JFK Jr. crawling through the paneling in the front of the Resolute desk. That is a reference in the movie. Emily looks very confused. 
Okay, so I am, I have this odd thing with JFK. Like, I really like him. Mm-hmm. And it blows my mind that I didn't rec- I didn't realize that. Well, Emily, <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind times too, because this photo, it was actually mentioned twice in Book of Secrets, and it was mentioned strategically. It's actually used to establish Connor, Phil Dunphy, being like so behind the ball and like not worthy of being part of this adventure whatsoever. Connor was actually the second person in the film to mention it totally late in the game only of course the audience and Ben and Abigail know this um and this is really meant to be some members of the audience some members of the audience should recognize may recognize that Connor's particular reference of this photo is symbolic of his lack of historical knowledge um maybe even indicating that he's not good enough for Abigail because he's certainly not her equal like Ben is. I mean, I think we all knew he wasn't good enough for Abigail. Like, I hate to say it, but when Ben was, like, breaking into their apartment, I was, like, or whatever, their house, you can't call that an apartment. No, it was definitely, like, a mansion. (laughs) When he was breaking in, I was, like, rooting for him, even though he was violating like her trust by breaking in i was still like this needs to happen because phil dunphy is not 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 the guy for her 100 100 agreed um so now that we've clarified all of that for emily's benefit and and everyone else who is listening in i want to dive into what i find to be one of the more interesting parts of this conversation today which is uh I really can't figure out a better way to describe this than like details of the Oval Office, things like the architecture, the design, the decor, which it turns out is actually pretty significant and changes based on the presidential administration. Um, But there are, of course, some things that do not change, like the basic architecture. So many people who are familiar with the Oval Office know that there are three south-facing windows immediately behind the president's desk. Um, it's been a lot of famous photos and then the opposite wall, like opposite of the desk, um, is a fireplace. Uh, now this version, the current version of the Oval Office is architecturally more complex than previous iterations. Probably not surprising. We're like, you know, getting more modern and like, we're better at architecture, I guess. I don't know. Um, (laughs) did they remove the fireplace because it burnt down in a fire? No, no, no. There's a fireplace in it now. Oh, yeah. Okay. But some of that would have been helpful to like remove it because of the fire. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there wasn't a fireplace in the previous version. I don't know. I did not look into it that hard. That's like adding fuel to the fire. Pun definitely intended. um, (laughs) (laughs) So some of these um, more complex details include bookcases um, that are kind of built into or set into niches in the wall and um a giant this is actually really cool a giant plaster um version it's not a sculpture but like a molding of the presidential seal on the ceiling which is that does sound familiar yeah it's very cool i feel like it's a very distinguishing characteristic that is probably shown to establish place in a lot of hollywood productions um one other thing that i thought was really cool is light bulbs there's not like a chandelier 
or anything like that. Light bulbs are sort of hidden in a cornice fixture fixture to like wash the ceiling in light so that it's not mm. like a bunch of different lights. It's like the whole room is a glow. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. So very, very swanky um, in terms of the basic architecture. But where this gets really interesting is um, the fact that every president, when he or she takes office, gets to decide what the decor looks like. And that is basically means adjusting some of the standard furnishings in the room. And those standard furnishings include the president's desk, again, set within the three windows. This is sometimes the resolute desk, but not always. See episode 18 of our show for more details on that. Um, Another aspect that they can kind of switch up is two chairs that sit in front of the fireplace. There are also two sofas um, just, I guess, south, <laughs> Since <I'm laughs> just south of the, of those chairs on the fireplace. They're sort of uh, between the chairs and the desk. So they're in the middle, okay. right? They're actually fairly well placed in the in National Treasure too, for reference. Um, there's also a detail that a, there's a grandfather clock that has stood next to the room's northeast door since 1975. Um, just like another little detail that I guess technically it could be removed, but it hasn't been for a really long time. So okay. I was going to ask. Yeah, it, it, it hasn't been moved for, for a while. Um, and I mean, like, why? They're beautiful. Like, leave it there. Let it have its moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the decoration that the president does, I find really fascinating so the president gets to dictate the furniture the drapery over those windows the carpeting and all the artwork so the artwork includes like things on the wall and things like on surfaces right like statues and things like that um now emily something that i feel like you probably have a lot of feelings about is the process by which a president when he or she comes into office is changing everything over. Now, I say he or she because ideally that is something we can aspire to. But of <laughs> course, up until this point, they have all been he. This process historically is facilitated primarily by the First Lady's office in collaboration with the White House curator and an interior designer. So thoughts, please, Emily. Oh, yay. <laughs> Love that. Why, you know, why isn't it just facilitated by the president? Like, and his office? He's the one, yeah, he's the one with the preferences. Why does the first lady have to get involved? She has other things to do. Don't you know that women make wonderful designers of rooms and, like, are homemakers? I mean, I feel like this was some sexist tradition that was started way back when and just has been continued. And I honestly cannot wait until there is a woman president so that the first gentleman's office has to facilitate the uh, decorating. Oh my gosh, that's so epic. You know what that reminds me of? It's like the, like you mentioned, somewhat antiquated traditions. It's like um, the first lady, like welcoming the um, presidential or like the, the national Christmas tree as it comes in each year mm -hmm. and then like the first lady is responsible for decorating the white house for christmas mm -hmm. so it'll be oh, it'll be a man that'll be really fun one day 
one day, one day. Anyway, um, so that's how this transition happens. Um, so let's dive into some of the options that the president has here. Now, the artwork that he or she gets to choose from, they can basically choose whatever artwork in the entire world that they want within reason. So the artwork can come from either the White House's collection or can be on loan from museums. So they can like actually get artwork from museums. Now, granted, this is typically from museums in Washington, D.C. So think the Smithsonian's and thing, things like that. But I mean, it is the president. I bet if there was something in a museum like in California that they wanted, they could probably get their hands on it. I just like, and I, I feel like I'm going to have this thought as you continue going, but this is, you know, they're one of their offices for for maybe eight years mm -hmm. and they're putting this much effort into it I mean I got a new office recently and I definitely brought a bunch of stuff that I had had in my at my old desk and I put some pictures some quotes some like little gifts for my friends up and about but if I asked if I could like paint the wall or something that would be considered very odd. Okay, well, I think part of the reason for this is it's number one, a source of inspiration for them. More on that in a moment. And number two, recall that this is a very high level room that very high level people from potentially other countries are being welcomed into. So what sort of message do does the president want to send without even speaking to people entering? this room. So um, we're actually in at the end of this section, I'm going to get through some examples of this, but there are usually very specific meanings for every choice, especially of the artwork that mm -hmm. the president makes. So um, most presidents, it turns out, have chosen to hang a picture of George Washington somewhere near the fireplace. As one might expect, founding fathers are very common choices. Um, Portraits of previous presidents are also very common, especially if there's like a favorite president or one that did something particularly inspiring or reminiscent of something that the current president intends to do. Uh, other common wall artwork include landscapes, in, like old war paintings, you know, you know how they're like the, the famous paintings, like the Revolutionary War, things like that. And, you know, other historical scenes, um, all of these sorts of things filter in and out based on who the president is, of course. Other artworks in the Oval Office include statuettes or, or busts. Again, oftentimes past presidents or founding fathers. Um, and I have two fun facts related to this artwork before we move on, Emily. And I know you love okay. a fun fact, so. I, I do love a fun fact, so please tell me. And it turns out both fun facts are, are Book of Secrets related, so more points to me. Um, the first fun fact is that Ben Gates' favorite president, Abraham Lincoln, is a very common identity for busts place in the Oval Office. Now that's actually not the fun fact that's related to Book of Secrets. The fun fact is variants of Lincoln busts that were created by one Gutzon Borglum are common choices to be placed in the Oval Office. Now, Emily, even you might say the name Borglum sounds real familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It does. It actually does. <laughs> 
And that's because this is the same Borglum that was commissioned to create Mount Rushmore and whose oh. name is featured in National Treasure 2's storyline. What in the world? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like a sculptor, right? I mean, he had to it sculpt. Makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so that's fun fact number one. Fun fact number two is, um, this is actually a little bit of internet lore, but related to Book of Secrets. One of the conspiracy theorized locations for the president's secret book, for people who believe it actually exists, is in a Lincoln bust that is in and or around the Oval Office, depending on the administration. Mm, so what, you got to crack that crack that thing open? or I mean, whenever we get ourselves on a White House tour, we're going to have to keep an eye out for every Lincoln bust <laughs> and just and like, bring our pickaxes. <laughs> we're going to have to be a little more subtle. We might have to pretend to lose an earring, but, <laughs> you the know. The bunnies. <laughs> the bunnies. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that made her sound very evil. Um, okay, okay. But Emily, the artwork, it's not the only thing that gets customized here and that can send a message. Um, one of the other really important aspects is uh, the drapery over the windows, um, which typically changes in shape, color, pattern, right? Um, they can also choose what flags are placed behind the desk and in front of the windows to show up in photos, right? I, obviously, the American flag is usually a very common one. I believe President Trump had a military flag, one of the military flags. Um, don't quote me on that. Regardless, I know he had a particular flag in the office that was removed when uh, President Biden took office. So like those can be changed. And one of the parts that I think is really cool is... Um, there is a rug, a specific oval-shaped rug that gets made for the specific dimensions of the Oval Office. And every president who comes in can like have a custom rug made. Um, mm. And so again, things like color, design, all of that can be changed. Oftentimes the first ladies have a hand in helping to design the rug. And especially the rug often ends up being moved to the presidential library of that president after his or her administration. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you know about presidential libraries, but they're kind of more like archival museums as opposed to libraries themselves. So honestly, a lot of presidential libraries have replicas of the Oval Office when the president was in office. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up this section, I thought it would be really fun to like think about how the current president has tailored the office to his needs and desires just as a case study since it's it's contemporary people can probably relate to it the next time you throw on a news channel you might see it on tv so you can maybe remember this and and pick it out the next time you see it in the media so um it turns out that the washington post did a really great expose type of piece on Biden's Oval Office right before his administration started. So let's break down his office based on these key customizable details. Number one, the desk. What do you think he chose? Well, since we're national treasure and all, I want to say the Resolute desk. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. The, the last several presidents, actually the last many presidents, have kept the Resolute desk. Um, his drapery 
is actually a gold drapery, which is apparently a holdover from both the Clinton and Trump administrations. At that point, you just have to wonder, like, did he just think it's too much work? Maybe, or like he didn't care too much. He's like, gold, that, that feels right. Yeah, maybe he didn't think it was worth it. I don't know. Or he doesn't care about colors that much. Also, I don't know. Um, but color comes up again in his choice of rug. Um, he has a, a royal blue rug that is apparently also, I'm not sure if it's an exact holdover from the Clinton administration or if it's inspired by Clinton's blue rug, but a very deep, vibrant blue rug. Um, and of course, the part we've all been waiting for, the artwork. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of artwork in the Oval Office at any given time. So I'm not going to go through all of it, but I want to give you a few examples of artworks he chose and the rationale that um, was shared with the Washington Post as to why they were chosen. So the, the main painting on the north wall, which is um, the wall above the fireplace, mm -hmm. it's of FDR. Um, and there are many portraits and busts of other American historical figures, including, for example, portraits of Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton. Yep. They are, they are paired together. So they're situated right next to each other. Um, and so this is an example of that very deliberate message sending or inspiration. Um, these two portraits were paired on the wall as a symbol to show the value of recognizing differing opinions and people trying to come together and work together. I love that. Yeah. Also really nice callback to our most recent podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> go check it out if you haven't. <laughs> cough, cough. Um, so there's also, you know, other artwork showing Martin Luther King Jr., showing Eleanor Roosevelt, you name it. There's a lot going on here. But Emily, I do have one more fun fact for you. And this is a fun fact because we're both scientists and we care a lot about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So President Biden chose to have a lunar sample from the Apollo 17 mission sitting on a bookshelf, as well as a Ben Franklin portrait. And both of these choices were said to symbolize his appreciation for science, as well as America's ambition and perseverance. Oh, so we will definitely share that article with you because it is super interesting. And speaking of articles, we have more to reference in our final section of today's episode, filming, quote unquote, in the Oval Office. Emily, are you ready for this? I am, Aubrey. I have a question. Please. Was this scene in National Treasure's Book of Secrets actually filmed in the Oval Office? I am sorry to report that the answer to that question is no. And uh -huh. to further expand upon that point, it is the reason why this is one of our deep dive historical episodes and not one of our expert interviews with someone who works in a place where National Treasure actually filmed. Um, Fair. This scene was not filmed in the actual Oval Office. The good news is that pretty much, no, actually nothing films in the actual Oval Office. <laughs> except for like press conferences and stuff. Except for, exactly, exactly. Nothing fictional or Hollywood-esque 
right? Films in the Oval Office. Um, films and TV shows build Oval Office replicas on Hollywood sound stages. And I'm pretty sure, I think Charles or Oren might have alluded to this um, at one point in one of our conversations. I remember being really surprised to learn that there's not just like a standing Oval Office set that just like exists because it seems to be used as a setting all the time. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of shows, even television shows right now that I feel like take place like in around the Oval Office. Right. So Oval Office sets are often built and then dismantled after shooting in part for a very practical reason, because the cost of maintaining a set on a soundstage compared to like you know, using the limited space a production has to build new sets for new projects, it's just not worth it. So Hollywood is really a revolving door of sets. Now, that's not to say that components of the sets aren't saved in, okay. in storehouses and things like that and reused. We'll get to more of that in a second. But ultimately, crews who build sets are so incredible. I mean, we've talked before about the Cibola set. Right. Like, they're incredible at what they do. And that was back in 2007. So there's plenty of archival footage and photographs and records to indicate what each president's Oval Office looked like to be able to replicate as probably as close as you want to a specific administration. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that sometimes set pieces get like reused, even mm-hmm. if they're dismantled. So mm-hmm. like, do you have an example of that? <laughs> Oh, do I? This I stumbled upon. This fun fact I stumbled upon almost by accident, but it brought me much joy to know this. Um, It turns out that there was this NBC comedy in 2012 called 1600 Pen. It was only around for one season. So it's not heard of it. Yeah, not surprising. (laughs) I hadn't heard of it either. So it turns out that this comedy used the wall pieces from National Treasure 2's Oval Office on its set that they used to record their whole season. Um, There is, yeah, I read an interview or a kind of a quote from an interview where, I don't know if it was the director or the assistant director or someone said that they only knew that because on the backs of the wall pieces, it said National Treasure on them. That's so cool. It's cool, but it's also like of all the pieces you're going to reuse, like the the walls, not like the, you know, plaster presidential seal or the resolute, you know, something that seems more complicated than a wall. Maybe these people had trouble with walls. Maybe. I, I know nothing about set design. Maybe walls are very complicated. Maybe curved walls are very complicated. I mean, probably, any- honestly. I'm really happy to know this though. So this is very interesting. Um, There's actually a really fun website that I stumbled upon that I do want to share with everyone this week. And um, it's from the White House Museum and it assesses how accurate the White House, including the Oval Office, is portrayed in a handful of TV shows and movies. Unfortunately, National Treasure 2 isn't one of them. And that was very sad, Um, but it's still fun to look at, I think as a general rule for anyone who likes pop culture. And there's also a really good Atlas Obscura article that talks about specifically White House set recycling. So you might be able to find um, other interesting tidbits for shows and movies that you like other than National Treasure. Full disclosure, it is that article that contained the tidbit about 1600 pen and the wall pieces. Mm, Okay. So folks have a lot to look forward to on our social media this week, long story short. Um, (laughs) 
So to wrap up this episode, Emily, I, I can't believe we've gotten here so quickly. I had one more fun exercise that I wanted to do when I was preparing for this episode. So it's a, it's a thought experiment, Emily, that started like this. National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets came out in 2007. And we like to think that the movies take place in approximately the year that they were released because it seems to all make sense. So I asked myself, who was president in 2007? The answer, of course, is President George W. Bush. Though, of course, we also know that Bush was not purported to be the president in National Treasure 2. We actually meet the president and kidnap him. Right beneath Mount Vernon on his birthday. Very kind of us. Um, So I thought it would be fun to ask how closely did the National Treasure 2 Oval Office set resemble George Bush's, George W. Bush's Oval Office? Because like if you're designing a set, what are you going to base it off of? Maybe the contemporaneous Oval Office. Um, Mm -hmm. So I decided to break it down again into the key customizable pieces of decor in the Oval Office and tried to compare the two. Now, for George W. Bush's Oval Office, there's a lot of great pictures and um, diagrams that I was able to reference. And then to analyze the Book of Secrets aspect of this, (laughs) I found the literal three-minute scene Oh my gosh. Takes place in the Oval Office. I had no idea it was that short. (laughs) Now I do. And I started playing it and pausing it about every five seconds to analyze different aspects of the decor. You are welcome, listeners. Yes. Thank you for this hard work, Aubrey. This sounds like an Emily level type of detail thing that I would do on one of the episodes I'm in charge of. Well, I will tell you, spoiler alert, it was worth it because the set comes astoundingly close to resembling President Bush's Oval Office, all right? So for starters, first and foremost, right off the bat, President George W. Bush did use the Resolute Desk, so that checks out. I feel like that's that's a good thing. Yeah, it would have been very disappointing if he didn't, right? Um, Part number two, the drapery. President Bush had chosen gold drapery and turns out Book of Secrets does the same. The set does use gold drapes, um, but the the pattern that you'd really only notice if you're looking really closely like I was is a little bit different, but the color is spot on. That's nice. Didn't you also say that uh, Clinton and Trump had gold drapes as well? So And Biden. Kind of like they, sounds like they've been around for, for a while. For sure. Uh, to be fair, I think the actual drapes have changed. Like the, you can see some of the patterns are different hmm. um, or like some of them have like a blue trim, but these one are just, these ones are just gold, gold in the movie and for President Bush. All right. The next bit here. So let's move on to the seating. All right. This is probably where there's the biggest divergence between reality and the movie. President Bush had a combination of patterned tan colored couches, which the film also uses. Um, But the reality also had these blue and tan striped chairs. And unfortunately, the set pieces use tan on tan striped chairs and too many of them at that. Like, what even does a tan on tan stripe? I mean, I like, guess I can go back to the movie and look, but two different like colors of tan. It <laughs> sounds boring. It, it is. It is not blue on tan. I will tell you that. But honestly, the most 
divergent that we get here is the fact that the film uses a third sofa immediately in front of the fireplace instead of the standard two chairs and the film also places additional chairs kind of on the opposite side of that third sofa such that all the sofas are sort of in an like the, the table in the middle is enclosed by seating if now, that makes sense. which of those sofas were they looking for the earring in they were looking under the main tan couches okay so those were the ones that had the, the bunnies on them the bunnies so the tan they were looking under the couches that are most like the real couches let's put it that way okay okay so i'm going to totally gloss over the artwork here because obviously all of the artwork is different um <laughs> like I don't they think didn't have that money they didn't have that money. I also didn't think they had that power to just be like, hey, Smithsonian, like, can we borrow some like actual real artwork, whatever? Um, another bit here is that the grandfather clock we talked about before, it mm -hmm. is in the Book of Secrets scene, but I think it's in the wrong place. Don't quote me on that. Um, in the movie, the grandfather clock is situated next to it is next to one of the doors it's next to the door leading to the rose garden and i don't think that's the door it's supposed to like that it's actually next to in uh real life but hey clocks can move right the fact that the clock was there honestly is true well there, there are there are two other really amazing points if you were impressed by the grandfather clock one is the fact that during uh, President Bush's administration, the flooring of the Oval Office was replaced. Now, this flooring is actually pretty distinctive. If you liked tan on blue and tan on tan, there's another color on color job going on here. And it's sort of a striping of dark wood next to light wood pattern. All right. Now, there's a lot of the floor that you can't actually see because it's covered by rug, but on the edges, right, it sort of peeks through where the rug doesn't cover. And don't you know it, in the movie, you see the striping peek out next to the sides of the rug. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's like, for something that's barely seen, that's such a nice detail to have in there. Okay, well then, here's my piece de resistance for you. The rug. As we know, every president can customize his or her rug. Well, President George W. Bush had the quote unquote sunbeam rug. That was, that was the design. It was actually designed by First Lady Laura Bush. Um, this I'm so impressed by, like literally, wow. The movie rug looks spot on. Everything from the yellow tan sunbeam pattern that emanates from the middle to the olive branch looking border I don't know why I am supremely impressed by this and you wouldn't think this is a detail that you would even really notice but there's a reason you notice right half of this scene happens on the floor oh my gosh that's true yeah so they like if they were gonna pick something that was the that was the thing to pick I guess so I mean and especially if you know to look for it you're impressed by that right because you see Abigail and Connor searching on the floor you see ben laying on the floor under the desk to move the to move the drawers to make the puzzle box happen and there's a really great moment it's literally maybe a second or two long where the director chose to film this scene specifically ben under the desk 
as an overhead. So you see mm. this beautiful overhead of the desk with Ben and you see the rounded south end of the mm -hmm. room. So it gives you the great view of the border of the carpet as well as the striped flooring right oh, wow. like beyond it so y'all if you are looking for it you will see it and if you want to assess this for yourself we're going to share even more links we'll share the link to the scene that we're talking about on youtube and we will uh share a website that shows the george w bush oval office so you can see for yourself it's very cool wow i'm really excited to go check this out yeah and hey the scene is only three minutes long so it won't take you very long since i've already done the hard work for you there you go and guys if you want to find these links be sure to meet us meet us yeah meet us why not meet us meet us on our instagram and twitter pages at nt hunt podcast we will post the all of the links that we've mentioned also just love to get to chat with you about what you thought about the episode if your memory is as wonderful as mine is if you're as surprised by all of these details as we both were just let us know you can find us to listen to on apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and good pods i was gonna say grubhub again what the heck <laughs> um and go ahead like subscribe rate and review do whatever you can on those various platforms to keep us in your lives and keep us aware of what's going on with you we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a thing or two maybe some fun facts that you can take with you to your next happy hour or whatever i know we did and i don't know learning these things makes me really giddy i don't know about you yes definitely <laughs> and so hopefully we have more interesting facts to bring you in our next episode emily this one has been long awaited because it's the second iteration of an episode we first did in season one do you want to tell everyone what it is it is the science of national treasure too yes i don't know why it took us so long to do this version we of course one of our favorite episodes of our first season was the science in the first national treasure movie so we're coming back for book of secrets you're not going to want to miss that so please check back in two weeks time to learn all about the science with your two scientists in the house but hey mm. until then i'm aubrey and i'm emily and thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt. Mm -hmm.